0: Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the Internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with bestselling and award-winning authors across the genres can find author magazine at authormagazine.org i uh, got a new issue coming out next week uh, i'll be inter- uh, having my conversation with dory Hillistad butler fabulous children's book writer a very interesting woman Talked about what it is to start your career and how you have to how you have to commit to the career before it's paying you anything. You do that's how it works with writing. And she talks very articulately about that. So that'll be up next week at authormagazine.org. And of course, as always, we are funded by the fabulous Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You know they do a great conference every year. It's in September, so we just had one, but already we are starting to plan for next year and so if you want to be a part of that you could do something called the flash sale yes so they're offering a special discount rate now and i believe i believe boys and girls that if you sign up now you get extra uh uh appointments with agents and editors if you got something you want to pitch it's a great deal it's a great deal i know it's thinking way ahead but some writers do think ahead so if you're one of those people go over to uh org. And, and you can sign up. Yes, you can. OK, well, oh, I'm excited about today's guest. Uh, John Pavlovitz is uh, well, he's a writer, pastor and activist from Wake Forest, North Carolina. And in the past four years, his blog Stuff That Needs To Be Said. That's right. I love the title. Has reached a diverse worldwide audience, and he's a 20-year veteran in the trenches of local church ministry. And John is committed to equality, diversity, and justice. Can't argue with that. Both inside and outside of faith communities. But he's an author, too. Yes, he is. In 2017, he released his first book called A Bigger Table, but he's got a new book out called Hope and Other Superpowers. Yes, indeed. Let's talk to this gentleman, find out what's going on. John. How are you doing? Bill, I'm well. Thanks
1: so much for having me on today. So appreciate the time.
0: Well, thank you. I know you're a busy guy. You got this book out. You got a fabulous blog. You got a church you got to oversee. Um, I, but I want people, I think, actually, let me start here. I believe I've, you first came to my attention, although I didn't read the piece. I believe your piece, Why We Grieve, scuttled across my uh my social media uh, horizon and that was about two years ago is that right
1: yeah that was actually the the morning after the
0: 2016 election yes that's right so okay yeah. so and that kind of blew up on you did it not or, it, I mean, it did a i had,
1: had a, a couple of pieces go go viral in the year prior and had had a Developed a fairly, uh, you know, strong following, but that was one that really kind of um, exploded into sort of a different plateau and was shared by some high-profile celebrities with large social media followings. So it was just a, and I think just the timing of the piece and it just happened to hit as the world was, you know, especially this country was all kind of in that mindset, and so it was really uh, an extraordinary time for me.
0: But you had already started your blog, Stuff That Needs to Be Said. So that's been that, – so it's only four years. Okay, so you started it before the, the 2016 election. And so let's start there. Why did you start the blog? What was the motivation to start Stuff That Needs to Be Said?
1: Well, at the time, I was a, a, a pastor in a megachurch in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we our, our church was so large that I was overseeing a, a student community of hundreds of kids and all, all their parents. So I was writing sort of an insider Um, Sort of a little niche blog to parents of teenagers, and I was talking about all those issues, and that started to reach sort of youth ministers, things like that, and then it was Uh a slow evolution where it gradually began to sort of reach out to a larger audience. Certain pieces would get picked up, and um, it just was a a really gradual uh, process for me.
0: So I read a piece of yours, um, about some of your, your grievances with where, um, evangelical Christianity has gone over the last, I don't know, few years. And so when I think mega churches, I think of evangelical Christianity. Did you come out of that or did you come out of a more progressive, uh, church community?
1: Yeah I have been raised Catholic and then drifted from the faith and then was uh jumped into ministry later in life and was in sort of mainline, you know, Methodist churches, but then the church in Charlotte, this sort of mega church, was a more evangelical, it was in the Bible Belt, and it did lean uh, in some ways to, uh, you know, evangelical, and yet there was a progressive kind of outlook on other areas. So for me, it was uh, constantly sort of stretching that community as I became a little bit more and more progressive in my faith. So there was like a tension there between the yeah. community that I was in and what I was writing about, the things I was wrestling with.
0: Did you have to leave that group?
1: Uh, Well, you know, I I always tell people I heard God calling me to leave in the form of my pastor's voice saying, you're fired. Uh, So that (laughs) that happened, you know, at a church here in Raleigh, actually. That was another church where I knew I was either going to speak authentically, or I was going to be, or I could be employed, it was sort of, I had to realize that there was going to be a, a, a breaking point there. So right. I just started writing more explicitly. And, you know, uh, and that was the thing, the catalyst for that, which turned out to be just a gift for me. and in, 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 in my story of being a writer, that released me to really yeah. say what I felt like I needed to say without censorship or editing. And that yeah. was what reached the large audience
0: man you know john that it, it's it's you know you're you're speaking about a your particular journey but that is so universal to the writer's journeys i had the same journey myself which is i had to let myself write the kind of stuff i wanted to write before i found any kind of success and i tried for years writing stuff that wasn't quite really what i wanted to say and nothing happened yeah. it was when i let myself say what i wanted to say what i most wanted to say that stuff actually started to happen and You know, and and, but but there is don't you think that I interviewed Armistead Maupin, the the novelist who wrote Tales of the Mm. City, and he was like one of the first gay men to come out to come out publicly. It was a big deal. And so we were talking about coming out and I said, you know, I'm straight man, but I feel like everybody has to come out of their own closet to some degree. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah. There is a, you know, I think people are looking for truth tellers wherever they can find them. And in my case, the first post that went viral was called "If I Have Gay Children," and it was really me saying, "Hey, I'm going to humanize this thing. I'm going to show some vulnerability." And and so it's interesting to see those kind of parallels that once I could be speak exactly the words I needed to speak without worrying about what the consequences. That's when, you know, I, I found my audience and, and that's why yeah. truth telling is just such a right now, especially it's a really scarce commodity. It seems.
0: Yep. It, 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 are you still there? Yes. Okay. It is a scarce commodity. Well, I was thinking, when I saw the title of your blog, I thought stuff that needs to be said. And, and I just thought, man, I know he needed to say it and he needed to hear it. Like if when, when, Mm. when you talk about truth telling, I think the one telling the truth is the first one who has got to hear it coming out of his or her own mouth. It's such a powerful moment, you know?
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I think they're most writers. I, I tend to, I, I, I wrote a piece years ago that said that there was there are times when I'm writing and times when I'm bleeding. And those times when I'm bleeding, bleeding <laughs> it's like I, I can do the act of writing. I can make that happen every day. But really when you're tapped into something that's really pure and it's coming from the deepest place within you, that's where you need to write from. And for me that was just – and so there are times when I'm writing and there's an almost an adrenaline. There's like a pull because I feel like I just cannot wait for these words to be yeah. you know put down and released. And I think that yeah. – so many writers understand that sort of euphoria
0: and that excitement well that's how you, to me that's how i know i'm i'm on to something i'm on to what I, i'm i'm mm-hmm. supposed to be on to it should feel like i'm discovering it like i'm not doing it i'm finding it
1: that's right you know yeah yeah i've been a songwriter for years and it's the same thing ah. when you feel like that that you're just like you're just there and you're you're uh, bearing witness to this thing that's happening and you know you're sort of involved but you really feel like at times <laughs> There, it's effortless, and I think there's a there's a, and other times it's a craft, but I think there's a beautiful moment when you feel like, oh, this is just purely from someplace else.
0: Yeah, well, it's a great. Someone asked um, Keith Richards, uh, you know, the mm. guitar player for the Rolling Stones, who, uh, and, and they said, hey, how does it feel to be the one who wrote the greatest rock and roll lick of all time? He was referring to um, the the opening the the, the uh, lick from uh, satisfaction, you know, so icon- right. iconic, And, uh, Keith Richards said, well, I was just glad I was there when it came along. That mm, was perfect. That's, right. per- Cause that's kind of how yes. it feels. And so the, the piece of why we grieve that. So I, I read, you know, I read about how that came to you and you were really sort of in a, in a fever after the 2016 election. And, um, And you were already being contacted by people who were upset, yeah, who were themselves freaked out by what had happened. Right. I think
1: the nature of being sort of an online social media presence is that people in real time are saying, hey, can you respond to this? Can you voice something for me? And that was happening, you know, frequently that evening and into morning, and so there was, you know, you're going through this thing personally, and then you're trying to manage other people's sort of grief and processing, and so I just tried to distill all of the stuff that I was hearing into something coherent and 900 words or so that, that could express that. Which is a lot of what I do. A lot of what I do is traveling around and being a, a longtime pastor and a caregiver. I'm just trying to get with people and, and really listen and try to figure out how I can say what they can't say. And that was just one of those moments when I, I just, uh, that was what I tried to
0: do. Yeah. Now you're breaking up a little bit. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay with you and hope that that phone of yours okay. hangs in there, but it's, if it's it's up, I may hang up and call you back, but let's just see how it goes. Our fingers are crossed here. that It'll stay good. Okay. Um, uh, well, you know, I was thinking about as I was getting ready to talk to you, I thought, you know, we never know how things are really going to work. So Trump gets elected and for a lot of people like myself, and it sounds like for you, this is sort of traumatic, and sort of unbelievable and, um, And it and sort of uh, it it seems, you know, like the like the villain has won a little bit, but you never know what really Mm. uh, the story keeps going. And so for you, something got even though as scary as that moment was, something new was discovered in you. It sounds like something else woke up in this dark moment. You found something else that hadn't been there before. And to some degree, you have that moment to thank for it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a really strange place. It's it's almost as if I realized I was placed that my social media following to that point that my journey as a a writer had led me to that spot where I could be that sort of, uh, you know, galvanizing place, uh, person for people. And I think that was what it was. It was all the stuff that was in me was there, but it was realizing I can have a responsibility to leverage this kind of moment and then my platform. And so it's just, again, it was a similar experience to what happened in my church life that I realized I can't soft pedal this. I have to be, right. I have to lay it all out there. And um, because you're realizing you're doing. You're doing a service for people as well. You know, we know that people, they they inhabit our words. They find a home in them. And, you know, someone said to me recently, she said, you give me a hopeful space in my head. And I said, yeah. well, that, I mean, as a writer, that's <laughs> what more could you want? So a yeah. lot of what I've been doing for the past couple of years is just trying to help people keep going because it's exhausting to deal with all that we deal with everything.
0: Well, and speaking of hope and hopeful spaces in our heads, you've written a book about hope and other superpowers where you're you're talking about you use a wonderful metaphor of everybody as superheroes and and how we can use that metaphor to transform ourselves and our lives when did this book and this concept begin for you
1: I, it be, I could be in a little bit over a year ago i had someone you know kind of talking to someone across coffee table. And she said, you know, she was really frustrated. And she said, doesn't anyone remember how to be a decent human being anymore? And I just realized, well, sure. But I said, you know, it's, it's really difficult some days to remember that those elemental things. And so the book started with a question, what kind of person does the world need? And if I asked 100 people, regardless of their politics or their religious affiliation or life stage, a lot of commonalities would be there. And so I just started to kind of dig into those sort of really basic human things of compassion and generosity and kindness and say, well, what would it look like to just you know get back to that place and realize that we're all equally capable of those things, no matter what you know our circumstances are? Um, and, you know, I talk a lot about those origin stories, the way that ordinary yeah. people are called upon, you know, in those moments in the movies and the books that we love. And we all have those origin stories. We all have a yep. path that we've walked and grief we've, you know, gone through. And and that, wa- that prepares us to be really, you know, unprecedented uh, human beings. And so it's just really about remembering that.
0: Yeah, you know, I've had the pleasure of interviewing some really great spiritual teachers, and a lot of their stories are very similar. They reach, they actually track the classic hero's journey of uh, mm-hmm. reaching kind of a death moment, where maybe they think about suicide, or they or they reach just such, but often this, this suicidal thoughts involved, or they reach a very dark moment. And then from there, after that, they turn and they return to become teachers. And one after the other follows and It looks a lot like the classic um, hero's journey. And that's kind of what you're describing actually in this book. You're talking about superheroes, but you're actually talking about powers and also the, the dark nights of the soul and what you have to face there and how the toughest moments can become your crucibles. Can you talk about those dark moments a little bit if you've had some of your own?
1: Yeah, certainly. You know, my my father died suddenly five years ago, and that was sort of one of those, you know, before and after moments in my life that really delineated my my two lives. And, you know, I was talking to someone across from... Uh, you know, at a coffee shop, right after he passed away, and the woman was saying, "I know you're grieving, and I know you're in pain, but there is something else here for you. That there is this, this uh, act, you know, there's compassion that you could not acquire any other way, and that's going to help you. You're going to speak the language of grieving, and you're going to be able to reach people. And of course, at the time, I wanted to, you know, you know, knock the table over, but she was <laughs> right, and I think, yeah. you know, we all have, we all have that stuff that um as horrible as it is in real time you know retrospectively that's the stuff that makes us and i think so dealing writing about grief and writing about my struggles with with depression for you know a couple decades those are the things that have really um birthed the compassion within me the empathy that that i think is a valuable asset and that we've yeah. all got those stories we've all got this kind of personal hell that we've walked through and we yeah. would have you know there's stuff that we could have no other way than going through that
0: yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, you know, I was success was a big metaphor for me in my life, and I spent years as a waiter writing books that weren't selling. I was very unhappy, felt like a failure. Uh, I felt like you know nothing was sort of working out for me, but now I realize that that time as a waiter was in the where it kind of was in the desert. That's how I saw it, the sort of achievement desert. Uh, that is the gold for me. You know, that's what I always return to, sometimes literally in stories or just mentally, to understand what it is to feel like I'm not worth anything or to place all my value in what I'm doing. In in that way, those experiences were invaluable to me and taught me so much about success, much more than when things worked out for me. Does that make sense? Oh, for
1: sure. You know, we at least tell people we we really we love the flowers, but we don't care so much for the manure that they spring from. And so that's really what, we you know, the life is in the manure. You know, it's in that stuff that feels like it's the bottom dropping out or it's, the, yeah. you know, it's incredible pain. And it's not to trivialize any of it because really at the time it's almost impossible to realize that's happening. But the trust, you know, we yeah. and we can look back and see that. So let's try in the, in the present struggle to see that there, this is going to bear some fruit.
0: So we have a caller who I think wants to ask a question. We'll see if they've got a question okay.
2: that we want to address. And,
0: uh, so hi, uh, caller. I don't know where you're from, but uh, you're live if you want to talk to John or me about something.
2: Uh, yes, gentlemen. I'm from East Central Illinois, and my name is Chris. Okay, great, hi, Chris. Did you have a question for John? Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm starting to write uh, a series of books. <laughs> I'm starting, and I know that uh, an author can – understand the moment that you decide on something that it's going to be all a roller coaster from there.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: I decided that I'm going to write a series of books, uh, R. L. Stein style, uh, talking about mythological uh creatures, uh, from Native American folklore and I was going to take everything that was scary about them and just give them a brain. Because oh, that was the entire yeah, that was the entirety of their thing. <laughs> they uh, they were just mindless monsters. So I was going right. to give them a brain and think, and everything is going to be so much more terrifying because of that. Um, and so what is your question? My question is uh, how can you what, – what methods could you use possibly to relay um, the characters' experience that aren't the monster into – you know the people that might be reading the book.
0: Okay, so I'm going to put you on hold for this one. Okay, while well, we t- give the answer, uh, John, I can take a swing at that, or you can take a swing at that. You got a you what you got something you want to you you could say? Yeah. Are...
1: So, I, so the question is kind of what to do. I uh, how to relate the, the fearful thing to the ones who are being uh, the, the object of the fear. I think that
0: yeah. that's the question. Yep. I uh, you know, so, I, yeah, I believe
1: so. Yeah, I think. For, I th- I think you know for me I'm always trying to to understand someone's internal condition what the world is doing to them um you know my spiritual tradition of Jesus is saying he he looked at a crowd and saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and so he wasn't didn't care what they were doing he was looking at what the world was doing to them so I think that's always a great place for a writer to to try to inhabit that that place and say what would it, what is it to, to stand and a lot of it's learning stories. I, I, I tell people if you want to be a writer, you really have to hear other people's stories because those stories are going to change your perception on whatever issue you're writing on. So as much yeah. as you can do to be a story learner, it's going to be helpful.
0: I would also say think about when you were afraid because um, think about when you worried for yourself and. In, and what, one of the things you have to do as an artist that's very interesting is just like if, you're, um, if you were drawing a picture, you would have to put a distance between yourself and that if you were drawing a vase of flowers, you would have to stand back from that vase of flowers in order to render it accurately. The same is true of emotional experiences. You, As an artist, you have to put yourself at an emo, a certain artistic emotional distance from the feel from the feeling that you're writing about, be it fear or love or anger. So you can still perceive it, but you aren't caught in it. Mm. And so think about your own feelings of being fear of being afraid. And then if you can observe that, observe it in your characters as that's a character who's afraid. What is it like to be afraid? Why are you afraid? How do you behave? Use your own life because your life is the, is the gold from which all your stories will be told, not other people's lives. Although you can, you can look at other people's lives, but in the end, all life is passing through you. Life is passing through you. It's happening to you. When you watch a movie, you're feeling what's happening in the movie. The movie isn't making you, you're you're experiencing it. So use your own life. Use it. It's happening in you, baby. That's right. So that's my take on it. That's my take on it. Have you ever thought of doing fiction, John? Have you ever thought of dipping your toe in that?
1: Yeah, you know, from time to time, it uh, does. It's, um it's a hard right now because of the cycle that I've been on with the blog and the, and the books. Cause I had your know, one book released last November and then one this October. So it was a yeah, really, great. you know, uh, accelerated timeline. And so now I'm kind of taking a breath and seeing, you know, what is that? Is that the next place that I kind of just want to, um, wade into a little bit? Um, we'll see.
0: Yeah. And so uh, what do you think when you think of your superpowers, if you, if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? What would it be? Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, being pissed off. I don't think that would be count. But
1: I think <laughs> you know, for, for me, I think I do. I do compassion pretty well. You know, that I, yeah. I'm trying to always look for the outsider and the person who's not being heard. Uh, and and I, I I do passion fairly well too. So I think those are things. Uh, you know, part of what I like to tell people is, yeah, you don't have to come up with ten. There are two that, two one or two that you, that's where you excel, and so yeah. into those things. Um, so I think that's where I try to find, um, you know, try to do that and to combine that with just sort of an honesty, just declaring the things that I see as as, as often as I can.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, so I like to uh, give talks to people, and I try to be uplifting and inspiring. That's sort of my. Thing and I always say that Mm -hmm. one of the advantages of that is that in order to inspire other people, I have to be inspired. And in order to give other people hope, I have like the gift has to come to me first before I can give it. Does that make sense? So in other words, if you if you want to give people hope, first you have to have it before you can give it. Right. Yeah, and
1: it's funny. I've been writing a book, you know, for the past year on hope in a time when you know a lot of people are struggling, including myself. And uh, at the book launch, somebody said, "Hey, how do you write a book on hope right now?" And I said, "Well, you, yeah. you, you lie." And, and, uh, <laughs> but really, for me, it was for me. It, you know, it it's about look saying, "Yeah, I have to start in those places. I have to be able to cultivate gratitude. I have to be able to be creative and find those life affirming moments, and so that I can." You know, I'm not going to be able to sell something that I haven't already, you know, bought myself. So uh,
0: that's right. It,
1: it is for any sort of writer or leader, uh, or you know, that, that's in, an imperative for us to be able to figure out like how do we do this because we can't we can't hold anyone's hand through life if we don't haven't figured it out uh, at, little, at least to some degree. Um, yeah, that's a challenge Ab- for sure.
0: Well, and this time, this is when you absolutely see. It's one thing to be hopeful when everything's going smooth. And all the yeah. and all the doors are. That's easy. When you want to know if you have it is when you don't see it. You know, it's it's easy to feel great when everyone's telling you you're great. It's another thing when they're booing. You know, Bob Dylan got booed every night when he was a young when he was at the height of his his powers. They booed him every night because he plugged in, and he went on. And so I just think it's real easy to be hopeful when things are going great. Not so much when this is when you really need it. This is when you find what it means. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah, when you're, you know, you've you've got. To, that's when you test the integrity of the whole thing when you're trying to stand on it right now. And so, yeah, for sure. And, and that's, I think, there's a defiance that you find in times like these when people are saying, you know what, I am going to 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 keep feeling joy during times when there is a lot counterintuitive, you know, um, information. Um, that's right. Something to bring. And so, I think for me, that's getting up every day and saying, okay, I don't know what I'm going to read on Twitter. I don't know what what's going to happen in the world, but I know that there're still going to be things, you know, part one of the chapters is on gratitude and that was yeah. a revelatory moment for me to realize gratitude is that thing that says even if nothing changes right now, what is still worth celebrating. Um, and so that's important for us to do every day to think about that.
0: Yeah, I, you know, one of the one of the best things I did when I was going through it, I was making a transition in my life, and every night I would lie down and for A minute before I fell asleep, I would list all the things I was grateful for that day. Everything. I mean, anything. I liked the way this clerk talked to me when he checked me out. I liked what my son said to me. Anything I could think of. It was a great discipline. I did it for like a year, and it was very helpful when I was going through kind of a tough time.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important for so many people who are creative because we often will look at the problems in the world or what needs to be fixed or changed. And we're always looking at people who are in pain and trying to give voice to that. But part of that can make us, you know, fully absorbed with all that negativity. And I think so we do need to kind of practice that gratitude,
0: right? Dow, Absolutely, man. Focus is everything. Focus is everything. You know, you will, I used to think that Seeing is believing, but I think it's the opposite. I think you see what you believe. I think believing is seeing. I think you believe first and see second. It's never the other way around. So if you want to see something, hope you've got to believe it first and then you'll see it. I really do think it's yeah, yeah, inside we, out.
1: Yeah, we can walk out. We can walk out into the day and find reason for hope and despair, and it's really just what we choose
0: to, you know, to nurture. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, you're doing some great work. Uh, I just I love talking to people like you. You're out there trying to help people. You're out there trying to make a difference. You're out there doing something you love. I love it. Uh, And 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 congratulations on the book. And uh, again, it's hope and other superpowers. Now, I'm not done with you yet. I have another question, but people want to learn about you curious about you. Is the best place the blog, stuff that needs to be said? Is that the best place to go?
1: Yeah, you can do that. And it's um, it's also under com, and you can find me at johnpavlovich on Twitter and uh, Instagram. So anywhere ah. they, they're looking, they can find me.
0: Excellent. Okay. But, like I said, I'm not done with you yet. I got one more question for you. So I want you to finish this sentence for me. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? <sighs> Uh it's taught me to
1: show the scars because the scars will um, help other people who are
0: similarly wounded. Oh, That's a good one, John. That's a good one. Hey, congratulations on the book and all you're doing. I think it's great. Thank
1: you so much, Bill. Really appreciate our time today.
0: All right. Take it easy. All right, everyone. Yes, yeah, show the scars, people. We all got them. You're all suffering. That's the way it goes. And it's okay. It's okay. Because we're all in this together. Yes, we are. All right. Well, listen. I'm going to be back next week, I think. Yes, I am. There's another fabulous writer. Don't even know who it is. I don't care. I'm sure they'll be fabulous. Until then, what I want you to do is go find something you love and do it.